0: The Notre Dame students just finished up their midterms, and now it's time to do midterms of our own here on the podcast and grade how the Irish have performed through their first eight games. That's coming up next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? Welcome to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame podcast. Today is Wednesday, October eighteenth, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. I'm your host Tyler Wojak. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018, and I've been podcasting about the football team since 2020. I'm also a producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 or more infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's j-a-s-e medical.com. And normally on Wednesdays during the season, we start to look ahead to the upcoming matchup on Saturday. But given the fact that it's a bye week for Notre Dame, we're going to look back and do a midseason, but not really a midseason because Notre Dame is two games beyond the halfway point. Uh, but we're going to do a report card for the Irish through their first eight games. And here's how it's going to work. Rather than grading out each position group, which is what I said I was going to do in the podcast yesterday as I teased this episode, I'm going to grade Notre Dame's rushing offense, passing offense, rush defense, pass defense, special teams, and the coaching staff. I felt like that was a little bit better than just grading out each position group because I wanted to loop them or lump them together a little bit and see how productive these units have been. Admittedly, this is a subjective exercise, and I tried to make it, as objective as I could by breaking down a bunch of numbers. And then I'm going to make the case for and against each unit to have a higher or lower grade based mostly on the eye test there. So we get the numbers in there, we get the eye test, and then I'm going to give out my grade at the end. So let's start with the rushing offense because what's the most important thing in football? Being able to run the ball and stopping the run. That's still true today. So we begin with Notre Dame's rushing offense and the numbers that you need to know. So their average rush yards per game are going to blow you away. It's 165.2. That's 52nd in the country. But their 4.7 yards per rush, that's a little bit better. I think that's a little bit more indicative of the unit. And their 5.8 yards per attempt when you take out sacks makes a lot more sense. There have been a really explosive rushing attack so far this season. They have 42 carries of 10 or more yards and 19 of 15 or more yards. That's really impressive and at the tops nationally. But – when you look at the last three games, it sort of you know takes away some of that luster. And I'm not only grading this unit and this team on their last four games, although I'm going to weigh the games against the bigger teams more heavily than I would weigh, say, the Tennessee State game, the Central Michigan game, for obvious reasons. But again, we're not just looking at the last four games. We're looking at the season as a whole. But in Notre Dame's last three games, they've only averaged 109.3 rush yards per game. If you were to take that number and compare it to the rest of the country, that is actually outside of the top 100 nationally. Now, Notre Dame was playing against two of the tougher defenses in the country, in Ohio State and Duke, but still, USC was in there. That's not great. But the good thing is for Notre Dame, they're only giving up Uh, 3.75 tackles for loss per game. That's 10th in the country, so very rarely are they going backwards, so that's a credit to the offensive line unit. And when you look at their starting running back, Audrey Kesembe is one of the best in the entire country. He was named a midseason All-American by ESPN, CBS, The Athletic, and more. He's fourth in the country in total rushing yards with 787. He's averaging 6.2 yards per carry. Already has nine touchdowns, so it looks like he's going to eclipse the 1,000-yard marker, assuming he stays healthy here uh, during the latter part of the season. Second behind him is true freshman Jeremiah Love with 39 carries, uh, 263 yards. I actually thought that number would be a little bit higher. Jabron Payne is behind him with 29 carries. And then, surprisingly, Jadarian Price has had the fewest carries of any Notre Dame running back. I don't know if that has to do with the pitch count, so to speak, coming off that Achilles injury. But I'd like to see him get some more carries here, especially coming off that kickoff return for a touchdown, because there's been some reports out there that Price has been a little bit unhappy with his usage. I get it, but still, he is recovering from a pretty, pretty serious injury. So maybe we'll start to see him more a little bit at the end of the year. Um, As for the offensive line, Joe Alt has the best run-blocking grade of any Notre Dame offensive lineman, and Pat Coogan is actually the next man behind him. And when it comes to offensive line play, I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert, and I actually lean on the PFF grades because I feel like with linemen, they're a little bit more accurate than some of the other positions, and this sort of backs up the eye test because anyone watching would say, yeah, Joe Alt's probably been the best lineman both as a pass blocker and run blocker, and the grades here would back that up. And if I were to make the case for this unit to have a higher grade, I would say they've been really good at running the ball in six of their eight games, and they were bad in two of those games. They also have one of the best running backs in the country in Audric Estime, and they also have one of the most explosive rushing attacks in the country, and they are able to win a game on an explosive inside run play against one of the top rush defenses in the country against Duke. Like That's saying something. There's not that many teams who could do that, and that's what happens when you have a running back like Audric Estime who can turn... Any run, even an inside zone run, that was probably meant to set up a field goal attempt. Thank God Estimate scored for all of our sake, so we didn't have to watch a last-second field goal there because I don't even know if I would have been able to survive that even if Spencer Schrader had made it. Nonetheless, we don't have to worry about that. And I think... The offensive line has been up and down for sure this season, in particular uh, through the last four games. But they're consistently getting a good push, and that's rarely, or that's why they rarely go backwards. Um, they had a lot of success running the ball against Ohio State. They finished with 176 yards, which is actually 70 more yards than Ohio State's average this season. So that's certainly a good case for that unit. Now the case against, they simply could not run the ball against Louisville. They finished with 44 rushing yards and 1.6 yards per carry. It's not like Louisville is some daunting defense uh, at the top of the leaderboards across the country. They're not. And the fact that they couldn't run the ball is a big reason why they lost that game. Now, obviously, the um, five turnovers certainly played a part in that as well. But Notre Dame was forced to make some plays in the passing game that they probably didn't want to make because they couldn't run the ball. They're able to get things going against USC a little bit, but they only finished with 125 yards in that game. I'm not going to put too much stock into that, given the short field and all that. But they also struggled running the ball on third and short against Louisville, against NC State, and that's sort of been a problem all season long against the uh, higher-quality defenses that they played. That's not really great. That's not the sign of a really powerful run unit where it's like, hey, they know we're going to run the ball, we know we're going to run the ball, and we're going to do it anyway. We haven't really seen that that much from Notre Dame this season, and that is honestly maybe part of the reason why they weren't able to run the clock out against Ohio State. So my grade for Notre Dame's rushing offense is a B plus. Like I said, evaluating the whole season here, they were able to run the ball really well in six games, not so well in two of them, but even in that, even in one of those games, they're able to secure the win on a rush. So I think you got to give them a B-plus there. Now let's move over to the passing game and the passing offense here. Uh, Sam Hartman is 14th in the country in pass efficiency, and I feel like that stat is thrown around a lot, and no one really knows exactly what it is. It's a sort of complex formula, so I'm not going to break it all down here because that would be terrible radio, but I just want to explain that it takes into account a player's yards per attempt, their completion percentage, their touchdown percentage, and their interception percentage. So you can't just be throwing five-yard dump-offs every play and have a really high pass efficiency rating because you need to push the ball down the field a little bit. And Sam Hartman is 14th in the country in that. Notre Dame quarterbacks have 20 total passing touchdowns. Two of those came from Steve Angelian Garbage Time. Sam Hartman has 18, uh, which is fifth in the country. And he has 229.75 pass yards per game. That's only 49th. But he only has three interceptions, so that's pretty good, all of which came in one game, which is not good. Um, he's averaging 9.1 yards per attempt, and he's 22nd in the country in QBR. So maybe not the stats that we would have thought he would have had after the first four games when he was on an absolute tear at the start of the season, but I think part of that has to do with with Notre Dame's production on the outside. They have not really had a ton of great receiver play so far. Right now, their leading receiver is their tight end, Mitchell Evans. He leads the team with 356 receiving yards, and that is fifth most of any tight end in the country. Notre Dame's running backs have also helped the cause here. They've added 223 receiving yards, plus three receiving touchdowns, but... Notre Dame's leading wide receiver is a converted running back in Chris Tyree, who has one less yard than Mitchell Evans with 355. Granted, Chris Tyree also does have three touchdowns. He's been very explosive this season when he does make plays. But his 355 receiving yards is outside the top 100 of any player in the country. He is actually 120th nationally Uh, in receiving yards. So that's really not that great that Notre Dame's top wideout is not even in the top 120 in the country. So that's a big problem for the Notre Dame passing attack. They've only connected on 42% of passes thrown for further than 20 yards, which has come out to 560 yards in 10 TDs, but that's not really efficient passing attack downfield. And especially when you have a quarterback like Sam Hartman, who is so effective at the deep ball and particularly the back shoulder fade, or at least When he was the quarterback at Wake Forest, he threw the back shoulder fade a lot. We haven't really seen that a ton at Notre Dame, and it's unfortunate because that is such a great asset for Hartman, but Notre Dame's wide receivers just haven't shown this year that they can make those plays consistently. So, if you look at Notre Dame's pass blocking unit, they're 31st in the country in sacks per game at 1.38, so... For the most part, I would say the line has protected Sam Harbin. That was not the case against Louisville. But we might be looking at that Louisville game as like the Michigan game in 2019 where years after the fact, we just will not be able to comprehend What happened that night in Louisville, Kentucky? It feels like an outlier, especially after what Notre Dame was able to do against USC. So if I was going to make the case for this unit, I would say that Sam Hartman is still a top 10 quarterback in college football. He's played well enough to win in seven of Notre Dame's eight games. And Notre Dame is a run first offense. They run the ball 53% of the time compared to 47% pass. And for the most part, I think Sam Hartman has done well in what he's been asked to do. If you want to ask why has he not been um, asked to do that much, especially in recent games, that's a question for Jared Parker. We will get into the coaching here later on. But Sam Hartman's four-game stretch to the open the season is one of the best we've ever seen from a Notre Dame starting quarterback. And when you look at the tight end combination of Mitchell Evans and Holden Stays, that's one of the best tight end combinations in all of college football, especially on the receiving end. If I were to make the case against, I would point out that, yeah, Notre Dame had a good start to the season, but their passing game has taken a big step back since the Ohio State games, and Notre Dame's wide receiving unit is one of, if not the worst position groups on the entire roster. I would say it right now that I think Notre Dame's wide receivers are the worst position group on the roster. It's been really disappointing all season long. Now, in their defense, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries. Matt Salerno is out for the year. Deion Colsey and, uh, has missed an extended amount of time. So is Jane Thomas to some degree. Notre Dame's Wide receiver one going into the year, that's a big loss. He's missed some key games. Jane Greathouse was soaring in his true freshman season, but then he's dealing with a hamstring injury, um, as well as Tobias Merriweather. He's also dealing with a hamstring issue. And all of, these ne- uh, all of these injuries have negatively impacted the unit as a whole and the passing game at large. So I'm going to give the passing offense a C-plus grade, which might feel a little bit low. I kind of went back and forth on this, but considering what they've done against the better defenses on the schedule, it just hasn't really been enough. And I feel like Notre Dame has more weapons uh, than what they've been able to produce on the field. So I'm giving them a C plus grade for the passing offense, B plus for the rushing offense. But that is it for the grades on the offense. And coming up next, we'll flip it over to Al Golden's defense, which is a little bit better. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand, and it's simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using code On at checkout on JaceMedical.com. That's J-A-S-E-Medical.com, promo code On. Today's episode is also brought to you by Fandle. Snap into action this NFL season with Fandle, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than now because the app is so easy to use and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I'll give out a pick in this one. Let's look at the Thursday night football game between the Jaguars and the Saints. Right now, the Jags are one-and-a-half point underdogs. And you know what? Give me the Jags to cover that spread. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to play in this one. I'm a big fan of Lawrence on the Jaguars, so I'll take the Jags in this one to cover the spread. Visit Fandle.com, slash on and kick off the NFL season. Fandle, an official partner of the NFL. Before we move on, I'd like to remind you to please like the video below and subscribe to the channel if you're watching on YouTube. Or if you're listening to the podcast, please take a moment to rate the show five stars, leave a review, and subscribe. All right, let's look at Notre Dame's rushing defense in the numbers you need to know. So right now, they're giving up 129 rush yards per game. That's actually outside the top 50. I was pretty surprised when I saw that because... There's really never been a point this season where I felt like any team was consistently getting a lot of yards on Notre Dame. But they're only allowing 3.54 yards per rush, which is 41st in the country. I feel like that's more of an accurate representation of this unit. Um, Notre Dame is registered 41 total tackles for loss, which comes out to 5.1 tackles for loss per game. That's not really that great, to be honest with you. That's 95th in the country, which seems... Especially surprising given that Notre Dame had 11 against USC. So that number was even worse going into that unit. But they've been fourth in red zone defense in the country, uh, only allowing points 64% of the time. And I think a lot of that has to do with their rush defense. Once they get close to the end zone, they're able to tighten things up. And their pass defense has been great. I'll get to them in a second here. Personnel-wise, defensive tackle Howard Cross, he's been an absolute menace for opposing offenses. He leads the team with five and a half five and a half tackles for loss, and he's second on the team in total tackles uh, as a defensive tackle, man. That's really, really impressive. He's behind middle linebacker J.D. Bertrand, who has 52 total tackles on the year, and he's actually half of tackles for loss behind Howard Cross with five, and he's coming off one of the best games of his career against USC. So the numbers might not be that great, but if I were to make the case for this unit, I would say that Louisville, Duke, and Navy are the only teams to rush for over 150 yards in a game against them, and Navy's running the triple option, they got 169. So you'll take that 10 times out of 10 playing a team who runs the triple option. Duke had some success, particularly in the second half, but Notre Dame's defense was actually able to bottle them up for much of the first half, and then as the game went on, they were on the field a lot because Notre Dame's offense just couldn't really get anything going there. So I don't really look at that Duke game as a bad defensive performance, especially in the rush defense department. Louisville's a little bit of a different story because, yes, they were dealt a bad hand. Louisville had great field position a lot of the time because of the turnovers on offense, but they did give up a few explosive run plays to Jawar Jordan. I understand that he's a really talented back for Louisville, but then again... NC state completely bottled them up to 32 rush yards on 16 carries. So you would have liked to see a little bit better of a performance from the Notre Dame rushing defense in that one. But then again, they've also stifled teams with elite running backs, including USC and Ohio state for the majority of the game. They did give up that big uh, explosive run play to Travion Henderson on the outside. And, uh, that ended up being a big reason why they lost that game. So I would say Notre Dame has been really solid at stopping the run on a consistent basis, but they have been prone to giving up those explosive plays, uh, especially against USC, Ohio state and Duke and Louisville. They were all able to break off explosive run plays that were all very impactful and just came at brutal times that USC one. Uh, they, they just ran that speed option thing that Louisville was having a lot of success doing. So hopefully Notre Dame is able to figure that out after this bye week. And, Look, at the stats are what they are. Um, Notre Dame has not had a dominant rushing defense, but they haven't been bad at all, so I'm just going to give it a B. I think that's a, a pretty good grade for this group. Now let's move on to the passing defense, and I knew this was a good unit before I did this exercise, and then you look at the numbers here, and it's even better than I thought. So Notre Dame is only giving up 153.1 pass yards per game. That's third in the entire country, and they're fourth in pass efficiency defense behind only Penn State, Duke, and Ohio State. They have not been able to get after the passer as much as you'd like to hope, even though they had six sacks against USC. They only have 17 total sacks on the year, 2.12 sacks per game. But I got this hat from Michael Bryan at 18 stripes. Notre Dame's defense has allowed 3.9, 4.8, and 3.6 yards per opponent dropback against Riley Leonard, Jack Plummer, and Caleb Williams. One of those is not like the other in Jack Plummer because Riley Leonard and Caleb Williams are both looked at as future first-round NFL draft prospects. Caleb Williams, I get his uh, NFL evaluation there. Riley Leonard, not so much. That's a conversation for a different time. Either way, Notre Dame has played two really outstanding quarterbacks and one sixth-year senior who just is a game manager who managed to beat them. And somehow, out of the three of those, Jack Plummer had the best game. It makes no sense. And, again, another reason why that night does not make any sense, and we're going to be wondering about that for a long time. They were able to hold Marvin Harrison Jr., who is the best wide receiver in college football right now and arguably the best player in college football right now. He could be um, the number three overall pick in this NFL draft. They held him to three catches for 32 yards. And I understand that he got hurt in that game and he missed a few series. But still, prior to that injury, which came in the second half, by the way, they were shutting him down for the majority of the game. Marvin Harrison Jr. has had at least 100 yards in four of the last five games. The one that he didn't was against Notre Dame. Big reason why, Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison, they make up for one of, if not the best cornerback duo in all, in all of college football. I'm not going to say that they are the best because I don't know every single cornerback duo in college football as much as I like to think I know about the sport. I don't know every single one, but I do know that they're at the very top of the list. These are two Future NFL corners, Cam Hart is going to be in the NFL after this season. Benjamin Morrison could be a first- or second-round pick after next season because he is a true sophomore. They are physical, they're long, they make plays on the ball. And then you look at the back end of the defense, Xavier Watts just had uh, one of the best individual performances by a Notre Dame defender. I've ever seen going up against USC. And yeah, I think the safety opposite him, whether it be DJ Brown or Ramon Henderson, has certainly left a lot to be desired at multiple points this season. I still think overall, this unit has been incredible all season long. Now, if I were to make the case against, it's really hard to say, honestly, I'd be nitpicky and I'd say that, you know, DJ Brown's dropped interception and the third and 19 play against Ohio State were two plays that Notre Dame needed uh, they're secondary to make, and frankly, they didn't make either of those, and that is a big reason why they ended up losing that game. If Notre Dame makes one of those plays, I give this group an A+. Instead, I'm going to give them an A because the numbers are outstanding, the talent there is outstanding, and everything that I just listed is sort of back – it backs up what we've been seeing all season long out of this group. We thought they'd be great going into the season, and they've actually exceeded my expectations, so I'm giving them an A. And for the rush defense, I'm giving them a B. All right. We've covered the offense and the defense now, but we gotta look at what Butterham has done on special teams, and it's time to assess the coaching staff as well. That's coming up right after this. eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at eBay.com/motors. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball podcast. All right, now it's time to take a look at Notre Dame's special teams unit, and let's start with the place kicker, Spencer Schrader. He is 9 of 14 on field goal attempts this season, including 4 of 6 from 50 yards or more, and the school record 54-yarder against NC State. He actually came very close to beating his own record in that same game with a 56-yard attempt that just missed, Um, but he did miss a critical field goal against Ohio State and two other chip shots, but he has been perfect on extra points. Can't take those for granted. Um, as the kickoff man, Schrader has a touchback percentage of 67%, and the unit, uh, Norm's kickoff coverage unit, has given up just 16.41 yards per return on kickoffs that have been returnable. That's pretty solid. Uh, You flip that over and Notre Dame is 13th in the country in kickoff return yardage. And one of the plays of the year came on a kick return this past Saturday when Jadarian Price returned a 99 yarder for a touchdown to seal the game against USC. I was pretty surprised to see Notre Dame uh, ranked 13th in kickoff return yardage, considering That unit really hasn't done a lot for Notre Dame so far this season, but when you have a 99-yarder, it really impacts the numbers there, and I think that's a big reason why Notre Dame is so high in that number there. Um, Notre Dame has one blocked field goal on the year. That came against uh, Tennessee State and actually kind of came at a somewhat critical time, as critical a time as it could be, in the Tennessee State game, but They did have some momentum in that moment. Chase and Anya got up, blocked the field goal. That was big in the moment. And Notre Dame has not allowed a blocked kick, which is also good. They also converted a big fake punt for a first down against Duke, which came uh, on the first drive of the game, and it led to a touchdown. Those points ended up really mattering there at the end. So it was a smart call by Marcus Freeman, great execution by the team, and particularly Jeremiah Love, who ran that ball there for a big gain. And I'm still a little bit disappointed he didn't score on that one, but... I digress. Notre Dame's punting unit as a whole has not been great. They are 92nd in the country in net punting. That's not ideal. However, I think that number certainly took a hit after they went up against Zachariah Branch of USC, who is one of, if not already, the most dynamic return man in all of college football as a true freshman. I am really not looking forward to dealing with that guy two more games or potentially three more games uh, during his time at USC. The comparisons to Tyreek Hill have been made before. I would say that's exactly who he looks like out there with the ball in his hand. The way that he moves is just different, and uh, he's he's already such an impact player, and he had that big return on Notre Dame. But hey, shout-out to Bryce McPherson. I don't know how many punters in the country could make that sort of tackle, uh, get that angle, shed off the block that he had to um, shed earlier in the play and make a tackle on branch. So credit to McPherson. Yes, USC did score on that drive, but still very impressive play by him. Notre Dame's punt return unit has been a zero this season. Um, They're averaging 5.89 yards per return. That's 88th in the country. I thought that they would be uh, a little bit better with Chris Tyree back there. I thought he'd be able to make some plays, but so far this season, he just has not. He had a very uh, close call against, I believe it was Duke, when he tried to uh, dive on a ball for whatever reason. Fortunately, Notre Dame was able to land on it, but it was a really odd play by him. And uh, he just hasn't really been able to break any big ones on the punt return unit. And again, I would like to have, uh, I would prefer a safer unit back there, but it wouldn't hurt to have one chunk play in the punt return unit every once in a while. But so far this season, Notre Dame just has not been able to do that. So if I were to make the case for this unit, I would say That having a kicker like Spencer Schrader is great because he can kick it from practically anywhere. He's shown that with four made kicks of over 50 yards. Um, He's also found his groove in the last few games. He's 6 of 7 since his miss against Ohio State, including two from 50-plus. And yeah, the kickoff return for a touchdown certainly helps their cause. But if I were to make a case against the unit, I would say that the punt return unit has been a 0, Notre Dame has also committed a couple brutal penalties on special teams, including Jalen Sneets running into the kicker against USC and Jack Heiser's offsides against NC state on punt return. Both of those ended up being first down for the opponent, allowed the drive to continue. So got to clean that up and living up to the seven blocked punts from last season and Brian Mason's punt block unit was never really going to be possible for Marty Biagi. But the fact that Notre Dame hasn't been able to get one this season has been a little bit disappointing. They've, they've come close on a few occasions, but Um, So far, they have not been able to block a punt. Maybe in these last four games, they'll be able to get one, maybe even two, because if you think about it last season, you look at the total number, and they're like, wow, Noram's punt block unit was a force all season. They really didn't start to get going until about halfway through the year, and then at the end of the year, it felt like they were blocking every other punt. So maybe that number will improve as the year goes on here. But if I were to give the special teams unit a grade, I'd give them a B. I think that's pretty fair. Now let's look at the coaching staff. I don't really know how you do buy the numbers for the coaches. Uh, I will say that Notre Dame is the 57th most penalized team in college football at 5.88 penalties per game. I actually thought that number would be a little bit higher, uh, but it's not. That's sort of average defensively, Notre Dame is giving up 16.38 points per game. That's 17th in the country. And I think if you were to look at what Al Golden has done leading the defense this year, he has done an absolutely incredible job. And statistically, the offense isn't that far behind them. They're scoring 35.9 points per game, which is actually 21st in the entire country. But a lot of those points came early in the season against inferior competition. And in Notre Dame's last four games, when they played Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, and then USC, they've only been averaging 21.25 points per game, and they have been winning because of their defense, not their offense. So the... Defensive side of the ball, I thought the coaches have done a really great job. Offensively, not as much. But if I were to make the case for the coaching staff as a whole, I would point out that Notre Dame is six and two, including two wins against teams currently ranked in Duke and USC. And at the start of the year, Notre Dame was executing at an extremely high level out of the gate, which is very difficult to do. A lot of times it takes teams a few games to really get rolling, but I mean Notre Dame came out and just dominated Navy and with a quarterback in his first game with the program, and I thought that was very impressive. That's a testament to the coaching staff, especially doing it in Dublin, Ireland, across the pond. Like, There's a lot of different ways for that to go a little bit weird, especially going up against Ken's triple option, but Notre Dame didn't do that. They were also able to get up. Uh, to play USC coming off a tough loss and get a dominant win over the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. I've already talked about Al Golden and what he's done for the year. His game plan against USC was incredible, made for one of the best defensive performances of any Notre Dame defense in my lifetime. And honestly, I think that if Notre Dame did not have two losses, Al Golden would likely be a finalist for the Broyles Award at the end of the year. But if I were to make the case against, I don't think I really need to spell this one out. The 10 men on the field against Ohio State for the last two plays is going to be something that we talk about forever. Marcus Freeman just flat out did it not know on the second-to-last play, and then he said that they figured it out about before the last one. They made the decision to not try to sub person in, get a penalty, and then we all know that Ohio State ran the ball right to that missing spot, scored the game-winning touchdown, suffered a brutal loss. I'm still not over it. Oh, well. We also have to talk about the complete no-show against Louisville. That is on the coaches as well. That really hurts uh, their status here. And I would say the fact that the offense's production has practically fallen off a cliff in the last four weeks leading up to the bye does not help their cause. Jared Parker is clearly a first-year offensive coordinator learning on the job. He has not been able to maximize Sam Hartman's skill set, and the offensive line has regressed at a critical point in the season. Now, this might seem like recency bias, maybe because it is because at the start of the year, everyone is really impressed with Jared Parker and what Notre Dame was able to do on offense. They were coming out. They were scoring 40 points a game. So it hasn't been all bad from the Notre Dame offense. Like, we aren't Iowa or anything like that. So if I were to look at it, I'd probably give Al Golden an A. I'd give Jared Parker like a C, C-, and then Marcus Freeman like a B. B minus anywhere like that, so I guess I got to give the coaching staff a B. So those are my grades. If you want to go through it one more time, I gave the rushing offense a B plus, passing offense a C plus, the rush defense a B, the passing defense A, uh, special teams B, and the coaches a B as well. So there you have it. That's how I grade this Notre Dame team heading into the uh, heading into week eight of the college football season with a six and two record. If you disagree, uh, let me know in the comments. And a quick heads up. Regarding tomorrow's episode, it's going to come out a little bit later uh, in the day than normal. I'm going to have lockdown recruiting insider Brian Smith back on the show for the first time in a while to dig into what Notre Dame has been up to on the recruiting trail. It's a lot of good things, especially coming off that win over USC with a bunch of top targets in attendance, as well as a bunch of committed prospects as well. So to stay up to date on everything we're doing here on the podcast, subscribe on YouTube or your preferred podcast platform and follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler. W-O-J-C-I-A-K. I'll see you guys tomorrow.